Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. You're New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. We have hit the all-star break in baseball. We are getting ready for the all-star game on Tuesday. And joined by half of the baseball beat, Anthony Sorbellini, is coming on the line to talk about what's going on in baseball here. Mets, Yankees, interesting spots, some stuff around the league. I'll talk about Anthony just a bit. Stay tuned for the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill. I was going to do Blackwell originally, but I'm going to lump all the marble together next week. We're going to do Black Widow for and Loki finale coverage in one show. We're going to talk today about how impressive it is to see what Shohei Otani is doing in baseball right now. I mean, this dude is something we've never seen before. We might not ever see again. Got to appreciate that. Talk about that him at the end of the show. But we'll talk about this week's opening tip. Talk about where the locals are right now. The Mets, the Yankees, as we hit the All-Star break right after this. Ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip time is here, and Tiger All Star break, and Sunday did not go very well for either of the locals right now. The Mets had a very bad finish to the half on Sunday. They a final thing we against the Pirates and blew it, lost 6-5. They went with the bullpen game. Tries to take a very strict script, excuse me. That's very convoluted to say, but they only had a handful of guys available. They no Trevor May, no Seth Lugo. Tried to push guys more than they should have. Bad ending, but you know what? Still settled first half. They're in first place now at least. Three and a half games up on the Phillies. Four up on the Braves. Nationals are right there with them. There's six games back. The Mets are in a very good position right now because they have managed to weather a lot of injuries, a lot of guys not hitting. They're in a good position. They also have had opportunities to make things happen. They also played a lot of division games already. They've done enough against the Braves and the Phillies. The Nationals have given them issues, but they're fading a little bit right now. The Mets right now, I think what you have to do is fortify your roster because you are in a position where you can smell the playoffs. Fangrass has them as a 77.5% chance of going the postseason right now. But as constructed, there are limits to what this team can do. I think this team needs another bat in the worst way. We've seen this team struggle against left-handed pitching, especially because the analytics guys say, oh, put your righties in, get a platoon advantage. And all of a sudden you're seeing lineups where Kevin Pillar is hitting fifth or James McCann is hitting fifth or Jonathan Villar is hitting sixth. Like, that's not going to work. I think the guy out there, for them to go get is Chris Bryant. They've been linked into the offseason. He's a perfect fit, rental player. Cubs have fallen out of it. They've been scouting the Mets system lately, according to Ken Rosenthal, the athletic. Righty bat, doing very well, can play third base, play some outfield, give them some options to be versatile. They need a big thumper in the middle of his lineup, and Chris Bryant could be a different thing against a pennant. This team needs another big right-handed bat behind Alonzo to sort of balance out the lefty-righty situation here. J.D. is a nice player. Coming back from the break will help, but he's not it. I think he's much better. He's a platoon guy. He's ready to pop off the bench. I think you need to go get Chris Bryant. Figure out when to get that happen. 
You could also go the other way, look for Josh Donaldson from from the Twins if the Brian Price gets out of hand. But I think you have to leave the deadline for one of those two guys. You also need starting pitching. And Sunday's game sort of explains why. Because right now the Mets are operating with 4.5 starters. Because David Peters is on the shelf with an oblique injury. Joe Lucchese's down for the year Tommy John surgery. Carlos Carrasco is rehabbing from a hamstring injury. He's going on an assignment this week. Should be back. Hope by the end of the month. You got Tyler McGill, a rookie in there at the four right now. The five has been some combination of Jared Eikhoff, Robert Stock, bullpen days. Those outings will wear your, your bullpen down. That's problematic. You need to be able to a situation where you can say, hey, we have a dependable starter out there. We have a guy out there we trust and give us some innings. You can make the big play, go for Jose Barrios and Josh Donaldson. They trade with the Twins. That will cost you prospects. That will cost you a lot. So something to consider. You go for more rental option like John Gray from the Rockies, Kyle Gibson from the Texas Rangers. Maybe somebody here can eat some innings and fill out that back of that rotation. So that way it's not just, oh, three innings to go. That's the way you got to look at it. The other thing you have to consider for the Mets is bullpen help because obviously losing Robert Gasselman to the lat injury is hurt. Mikel Castro's not been the same guys in the beginning of the season. Only had a good seventh inning yesterday before it got pushed to the eighth. Give yourself some help there. Go get a lefty. Maybe go get like Andrew Chafin or Taylor Rogers from the Twins. Go get another righty option towards the back of the whole thing. Get yourself another arm back there so he's, you have rest pressure on the Mays, Lugos, and Diaz's of the world. I think you do those things, I think you're in good shape. The Yankees, on the other hand, they're at a crossroads because I thought we would come on here and talk about how great a week they had. They went two out of three in Seattle. They have the gem from Garrett Cole Saturday night where he's throwing a 129-pitch shutout, telling Aaron Boone, get in the dugout, this is my game. You think you're great. Big on the Astros, we're going to sweep them, and then all of a sudden the Yankees are back. Meltdown. Lose, give six and nine, fall eight, seven to the Astros. That's a problem. These are games you cannot give away when you're trailing the standings. They are 46 and 43 now. They're a virtual title of the Blue Jays for third place in the division, eight back of the Red Sox. The wild card race for them is also very interesting because the American League wild card is, I think, attainable, the second one. They are only three back in the lost column of the Oakland A's. The Mariners, Blue Jays, Indians are not unbeatable teams. The Rays are up two at the top of the race, but they don't have Tyler Glass now. The Yankees season then comes down in the next couple of weeks. They have eight big games of the Red Sox, four in the Bronx, sandwiched around two of the Phillies, and then another four in Fenway Park. Followed by our series of the race. The Yankees have to come out of that series in good position. If they get whacked by these teams again, you're selling because you're not making it back. This team needs to get to about 90 wins, roughly, to win that wild card. There are three teams over 500. Is this team going to play 15 over 500 in the second half? With the way constructed right now? I don't think so. They need help. They have to prove they deserve the help, though. They need to show that, hey, we warrant investment. Because if you are out there going and losing five out of eight to the Red Sox and lose three out of four of the Rays, what are we doing here? Like, we should not be investing in this product. You need to be selling off pieces then, which makes these two weeks very, very important for the Bombers. And it will be fascinating to see what happens with them going down there out of the break. It'll be a lot of fun. At least since you can see what happens there. We're going to talk more baseball with Anthony Sarbellini from the Baseball Beat right after this.
It's time for the baseball beat. With Willow Snyder and Lady. Play ball! All right, we are back here. We are at the All-Star break, joined by the baseball beat. Unfortunately, Will Schneider cannot be here. Has some scheduling commitments that got in the way here. But with us, as always, for the baseball beat, Anthony Sorbellini is here. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing good, Mike. How about you? Doing pretty good. It's been a fun first half. More so for me than you, but I think a lot of good stuff happening. Yeah, it's just overall, it's good for baseball. I mean, kind of, um, I guess, on a bad note going into the break, you know, Acuna Jr. going out for the rest of the season. But other than that, it's been good ball. It's been good baseball. I talked about the top of the show. Sunday was not good for either of our teams. No. (laughs) It's funny. I uh, So I'm sitting there yesterday covering the Renegades game and everything. And I get the alerts, you know, I see Gary Sanchez's three-run home run. I'm like, okay, great. They're up. I want to say, like, what, six, five, five-something up at that point? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I hear behind me, Astros win. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I just uh, – it's funny because we always preached that the bullpen is the strength of the Yankees to where now this season is the complete opposite. Yeah, absolutely. There is there is no strength, especially the last, I want to say, what, two weeks, two and a half weeks? I'd say two and a half months. Yeah. Well, I feel like more so, especially now. Yeah, that's fair. But definitely definitely throughout the whole season. The, the biggest spurts just this past, you know, we'll, we'll call it two weeks respectively. But like you said, past two and a half months, it's been a, it's been a train wreck. Yeah, I mean, I saw a great stat from Buster Olney today on, on Twitter. He said, NLA teams are 493 into a 996 winning percentage, leading by four-plus runs and the ninth inning. The Yankees have both the losses. The other one's that Angel game on June June 30th. So, I mean, that's like a problem of Yankees in a nutshell. It's like they seem to find ways to lose these games here. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah, and it's not even like they're losing close games. They're losing blowouts. Yeah. Because, you, know, you know, you just brought up that Angels game. It was what? They knocked they knocked Otani out in the first inning. after yeah the first inning, and what did they score? They scored eleven runs, or am I making that up? I, I can't remember. I think exactly. They, I think they I think they had like I think they had like nine runs that game or something like that. They lost like ten to nine, and because the Angels yeah. had a big comeback in the ninth inning. And it's just you keep like a one to two run game. I could understand that, but winning a blow, losing a blowout where you're winning yeah. that high since the beginning of the game essentially. It's it's uncalled for. It's it makes absolutely no sense. I just I don't see how this team can improve. This team is very hot and cold. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that I've noticed, and I watched a little bit the close, close them more closely lately because I was at the Subway Series last week. I checked in on that, and the thing I noticed with them really is like they sort of have these moments where they sort of like suck you in. You're like, oh, you know, maybe they'll turn things around. Like this week, they went four out of five against the Angels and the Rangers. Mariners and the Astros, like, oh, okay. And then they're up big in the sweep. Like, oh, Mason turns the Yankees around. And they give you that one gut punch to the loss. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. this team's no good. And it's like, it's sort of like that happens a lot with these like, like mediocre, slightly above average teams where they suck you in. You're like, oh, they got it fixed. All the names are there. They're going to start producing. And then, you know, that's been the Yankees this year. It's like, they just can't consistently keep it going. That seems to be a big problem. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know what it is. You know, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that clubhouse after games. But I just – I don't know. It's – I've said it, I think, from the beginning, ever since they hired Boone. I just – I don't think he's the guy. He's He delves too much into analytics. Now, I'm a fan of analytics, but you have to draw a fine line. You have to you have to rely on what you're seeing. You have to rely on the eye test constantly. But with Boone's just 
I, I don't know. It's just, and then, you know, you get Steinbrenner coming out saying, oh, like, my father didn't know what he was doing. Like, there's just so much turmoil that the Yankees have never had before, at least to my recollection. Yeah. And then you just hear, constantly hear all of this, just like, oh, okay, so you're saying that your father, who basically turned the franchise around when he bought the team in the 70s, made them to the dynasty that they were in the 90s, didn't yeah. know what he was doing. Yeah. The thing- Meanwhile, they haven't done anything since 2009, ever since he and the rest of the family took over the team. Yeah, the thing that would bother me more if I was a Yankee fan was just sort of this general sense of, like, complacency of what's going on with that team. Because there's not a lot of, like, you know, we're mad, like, we should be doing better than this. A lot of, for at least until, like, mid-June, there was this whole, like, oh, you know, look at the back of the baseball cars. These guys are due. They'll produce. Mm-hmm. They're hitting it hard. They're having good at bats. Exactly. It's like, it's like, at some point, it's like, you can't just keep running them out there because going back to last year, they were only 16 over 500 in the 60 game season. And this year they're what, like five over four over at the break. It's like, you kind of are yeah. what you are at this point. And like, there's, I think they built this team. The way I see it's like, there's pitching questions and the lineup is just way too right-handed power heavy where like they all are one dimensional kind of hitters. And like, it's, I mean, I've seen scouts say on, I've read the athletics that we haven't seen game plan on the Yankees for years. That's kind of an issue. Yeah, it's kind of been the same team ever since Stanton. ever since Boone really took over. Yeah. You know, because I believe it was – was it the year Boone was first hired when Didi, when they let Didi go or was it the following year? It was the following year because they hired – It was the following year. Because 17 was when they let Boone – when Girardi go, they hired Boone, they trade for Stan, and then that's sort of when this whole group started. Yeah, I mean, you, you brought up a great point. It's so right – it's so right-handed heavy that, you know – you have a short porch in, in right field. Let's use it to your advantage. Let's get some lefty guys. They don't even have to be power hitters. Didi really wasn't a power hitter. Didi was just kind of your contact. You're, you know, your your run-of-the-mill singles double guy, but just because, you know, guys are throwing 95 miles an hour plus, all you have to do is put good contact, and it being a lefty, it's going over that wall. So I think the Yankees are relying way too much on that Bronx, on that Bronx, Bronx Bombers mentality because if you look at them, they all – they all look like they're trying to hit home runs, even the smallest guys. Oh, yeah. It's the analytic, Ben, because they don't believe in the launch angle strategy. And the thing I saw with the Aussies I didn't understand was, like, this lineup was screaming for a guy like Michael Brantley, Kyle Schwarber, even Jock Peterson would have a good fit. I need that to get some lefty balance. I mean, the Mets are rolling in there on Sunday afternoon against Garrett Cole. They have seven lefties in the lineup. The Yankees have one. It's Brett Gardner. That's a problem. Yeah, and Brett Gardner, don't get me wrong. I love Brett Gardner, you know, but. He's he's past he's, his prime. He's he's not even not only that, but he's always been streaky. He's gonna get you. You know, he might be hot for a month, but then after that, he's gonna fall off a cliff. But you know, he's up there, so kind of can't rely on him being your sole lefty bat, especially with Aaron Hicks out. You know, Hicks being a switch hitter, being out for the uh, for the year and everything like that. You, you have to get at least at least two more lefties, I would say. Yeah, I think the thing with them is tricky, and I feel like I said this top of the podcast too is like. These 10 games coming up after the break, they have eight against the Red Sox. Like, that's really going to tell where they are. They have Tampa after that as well. Because, like, if the, and they've not beaten those teams pretty much all season. So, this could be a spot yeah. where if the Yankees have a bad run here, you're talking about selling. Where I think you have to at least split with the Red Sox and finally get a couple against the Rays to say, sell yourself. But okay, we can get the second wild cards. The AL second wild card, I think, is attainable. Because the AL West team's not that great after Houston. You have... Tampa doesn't have glass now. You have a shot if you can stay hot in the game, but you get your brains beaten by the Red Sox those eight games. It's not going to help you. Well, yeah. I mean, the Red Sox and the Rays are the one-two punch in the AL East. I was looking at the standings earlier this morning, and the Yankees are in fourth place when 
I know. I believe I picked them to win the East. I can't remember. We if all did. did too or not. We all did. We all did. And it's to see them all the way at the bottom, a, 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 above the, the Orioles, yeah. borderline one of the worst teams in the whole entire league. It's baffling as a Yankee fan. It, it it's kind of a role reversal. You know, talking to Mets fans and everything like that. It's kind of just like, oh, um, okay. But you know, you hit the nail on the head by saying perfectly. They're they're just they're complacent. Yeah, it's a complacent, like mediocre bunch, in my opinion. I feel I'm looking at it right now, they are tied with Toronto for third. But I think they're fra- percentage points behind them because they have one more loss. But mm-hmm. you look at the situation here, and I think this is one where I feel like they're gonna go ahead and you know make the moves that they want to make. And if they get to the end of the season, they don't make the playoff. I think you have two outs, in my opinion, which is number one, you fire the manager, and because then you could say, hey, why hasn't Glaber progressed? Why haven't these all these guys gotten better and since he's taken over and sort of run the gang back with the new new coaching staff trying to fix that? Or option two, you start blowing the thing up and you just start doing this over. I feel like they could go through door number one if they don't make the plot and give this group one last run before they figure out what to do here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the group for the most part is is a pretty solid core group. Other than you know, like we like we just talked about bringing in more lefties to balance that lineup in, but you know, this is the same essentially core group of guys that Girardi brought one win away from the World Series. Now, granted, that was a skeleton squad; half the guys were hurt, and I'm still I still scratch my head about that that decision to not bring Girardi back after that. But whole different a whole different show and segment i guess <laughs> but yeah. i think you know you have to you have to let boone go there's no reason he hasn't done anything yeah and i think there's the, no reason to keep him if anything it's been a regression every season yeah i think the situation here is i think obviously you have him his contract about this year you can if they don't make it say okay you know we're not redoing his contract on he goes and cashman's here through 22 so i can see him saying okay brian you have one last chance and then if this does not work out, you know, we can gracefully part ways and sort of blow the thing up from there. I feel like that's the way they would probably go. Yeah. Um, it'd be curious to see what they do with Cashman, considering Cashman's been there for what, over 20 years now? Yeah, since the nineties. Yeah, so it's it's that's gonna be very interesting. Um, I agree. I think it's there needs to be an entire, you know, just explosion, just just shake the whole entire team up, you know. I don't think it's a players to a degree as much as it is, you know, the coaching staff, the front office, because it's not like these are just guys that they just brought up in the minors. Like recently, you know, we've seen judge perform. We've seen Stan perform. We've seen Glaber perform. We've seen all these guys perform and just year in and year out, there's some kind of regression. There's, there's something missing and this coaching staff just can't seem to figure it out. Yeah, that's where the Yankees are about at. I think let's go to the other team. Let's go to the Met, my Mets. And, you know, it feels like if you told the Mets fan what was going to happen to them during the season, like, you know, all the guys are going to be injured. You're going to be having a bunch of postponements and all this stuff. You told them all that, and, hey, you're going to be 47 and 40 in first place by three and a half games in the East. Like, no one would have believed you. Like, that's incredible what's happened with them. Yeah, I like I said, it's good for the Mets. I, I love, you know, like I said, I preached before, you know, I am a diehard Yankee fan, but. I just love baseball. So seeing that for the Mets, you know, it, it's good. It's good to see. Yeah, it's great to see. The thing that I think that has helped them out a lot. I mean, even when like the guys were healthy, like Francisco Lindor didn't hit for two months. He hasn't really hit much yet. Like the thing that's helped them is the NL East has been so bad because you look at the surprisingly the, really bad. The Braves have been healthy for the most part. They started getting some guys injured, but even when they're healthy, they have not been consistent. 
The Phillies' bullpen still is horrendous and is pursuing the record most blown saves of the season. Washington is watching. They're top-heavy where they have five studs and the rest of the team sort of like average guys and losing Schwarber sort of killed them. That's like, I think if you're the Mets, you're happy you're here, but you have to sort of fortify this group because you can't just bank on all three teams being bad forever. You think you would, Mets would say one of them would get hot. Yeah, if any of them's going to get hot, I'm going to pick Atlanta still to get hot, even though they just lost Cooney uh, Jr. But, you know, that team's just, you know, that's a, that's a good overall around team. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets go out and get something. I don't know what they would need the most, but just try to get something just to bolster that lineup even more. Because I think the Mets don't want to fall into the same kind of route to where the Yankees are at and get complacent, be like, oh, you know, we've done this in the first half. But, you know, there's always room to improve. You know, you still got another 82 another eighty-two games of the season left. So you got to make that run for it. Yeah, I think I said this to top two. I think there are three clear areas where they can upgrade, which is number one, they need more starting pitching because what happened Sunday can't happen. It can't be bullpenning and then not having their two best guys available. And, like, they need to get actual stars here can eat innings. And Carlos Carrasco coming back will help. They need to get a guy for that. You're always just a bullpen arm. You can never say no to that if you're in a pennant race. But I think the spot for the lineup, you need a right-handed hitting third base in with pop because, like, the, when you've seen them, they play lefties. They seem to have trouble scoring runs, especially because they're running out these analytically driven platoon units where it's like Ken Pilar, VR, or all starting. Oh, yeah. It's like this lineup is screaming for, like, Chris Bryant or Josh Donaldson to be, like, at third base, like, hitting, like, up there in the middle of the lineup against righties and giving them some lefties, giving them some options there. I think this group... It's great they, they have some potential there, but as Ron Darling said in SMY recently, what happens if some of these guys don't get it going? Like, you can't just say, oh, you yeah. know, they'll be fine. The numbers, it'll be fine. But, like, at some point, if you guys are not hitting, you might not hit this year. So you need one more bat, in my opinion, to fortify the lineup. Yeah, it's, you know, I've always been under the impression, you know, more is more is, is better. I'd rather have options to pick from if, you know, if my, if my A guy is not performing, hey, let's bring in a solid B guy. Let's see what he can do. I think the guy is Chris Bryant, though. I feel like they've been talked like this since the offseason. The Cubs have fallen flat. I think if you're the Mets, go get him. Whatever the price is, make it happen. Because the thing that would terrify me as a Mets fan is they don't get him. He goes to Washington or Atlanta. He beats you, helps them beat you in the division. That's something I would not want to see. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing, though, is I would say with, with Chris Bryant, especially coming into a big market like New York, is how is he going to relate to, you know, that big market with New York, all the scrutiny, even if it is a Mets, and they, you know, they haven't been necessarily in this position in the past couple of years. How is he going to, how is he going to react to all that, especially coming in mid season? It's a fair question. That's my, all, that's my only, that's my only gripe. Cause we saw it with Lindor in the beginning. It's a very fair question. Cause that's, cause obviously we figure, Oh, Lindor would be great. You know, he's got the personality handling New York and he's admitted hey, the booing bothers me sometimes. I'm not performing. So yep. And, I mean, granted, it was the beginning of the season. It's cold weather. It's everything. But one, can't really factor in the cold weather because he was playing in Cleveland for, more, for his career. But there's just something about this New York energy. I, I don't know what it is. We've seen players come in, come out. Sonny Gray, for example, was an absolute stud with Oakland. Could not pitch for the Yankees. There's something about it. Yeah, Jason Bay, another good example of the Mets. Mm. It's like he was a killer in the Red Sox. He came here, he couldn't hit. Yep. Yeah. And that's nothing else. I mean, I think Chris Bryant, I think you would think he better prepare because obviously he's played for the Cubs in Chicago when, when they were not winning and then they won the World Series. I figure he's got that pressure base and he's had a good year. I think, in my opinion, you put him in the middle of that line, I think you basically lock up a division, in my opinion, as long as everybody stays healthy. Yeah, I think, you know, if you can get 
you know, not superstar Chris Bryant that he was when the Cubs won the World Series and everything. But if you can get, you know, a solid, you know, solid Chris Bryant and just, just again, to fortify that lineup, throw him right in the middle, I think I think the Mets are going to be in good shape. Yeah, I'm gonna pu- I'm pulling up Chris Bryant's numbers right now just for a reference for what he's doing this season. It, I mean, looking at this year, this so far he's hitting 271, 16 homers, 46 RBIs. Give me that guy in the middle of the Met line. That'd be fine. Yeah, and just the Mets have so many, I guess, kind of big big name hitters in a sense, but not necessarily like big name that's well known. But there's just so many guys in there that you don't really think of who could do stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, like, guys like Jeff McNeil get underrated. Brand Nimmo's in very underrated because, like, as soon as he came back, their offense got better because he's been a at the top of the lineup. And, like, guys like Michael Conforto is going to hit free agent market. He's not been hitting. He's also hurt for two months. I think, mm-hmm. yes, part of me worries about the Mets because they do have that start mentality. Like, oh, you know, guys were hurt. They're coming back. They're going to get into it. They'll be fine. But, like, I want fortification. I want to be settled for, oh, okay, we have enough here right now. I want to go for that. Exactly. Upgrade. Yeah. That, that makes the most sense. Because this is a team that, I mean, they've shown they can beat good teams. They split with the Padres at half, and one of these here at the Padres at half a team. They beat the Brewers two out of three. They still have the Dodgers and the Giants second half. So I want to see them go for it. I think they can. They're just a, they're a scrappy team. You you brought it up. Even when they're losing games against these tough teams, they're within a run or two. Yeah. They're, they're, it's not like they're getting blown out like they have in, in years past. They're a good, solid, all-around team. They just need that one little one to two pieces to really you know kind of fortify them to be like hey we can clearly pick them to win the east yeah because i mean it's something we've seen i think it's different big difference in these two teams this year the best thing the Mets sort of had that like grittiness that whole like hey we're gonna work together somebody will step up make a play because some big hits and like that really has not been a yankee thing this year the yankees i mean they don't hit enough they'll get good pitching like most of the time and then like I mean, stuff like that. I think the Mets just have that sort of like it factor that the Yankees don't. I think that's the why. I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think the Yankees will. Yeah, the Mets just seem like they're more of a, of a, I don't know. I, I feel like the Mets just get along with each other more than the Yankees do players, or player chemistry, wise. Chemistry in the clubhouse. Yeah. I, I don't know, which, which is an odd thing to say considering this Yankee, this Yankee lineup has been together for what, four years now? Yeah. Essentially, three, four years. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like they seem like they have more fun together than the Yankees do. Yeah. It's yeah, just, I just think everything's the from from the Boone era, just with the slow trickle downfall each each year, I think everything's just adding up to everybody. And I think that's that's what's getting it. It's that New York mentality, you know. It's the Yankees, you know, it's the pinstripes. You you gotta go in and go out, you know. I'm looking at it from a Yankee fan perspective and yeah, we make the make the playoffs. Big deal. Um, we haven't won a World Series since two thousand nine. Yeah, haven't even gone since two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it says a lot, and I think let's take a do a little bit of big picture before we wrap up here. I think some surprises. I think I know it's around the league. Obviously, nobody saw the Giants coming. The Giants are just. Yeah. I, I mean, you're sitting there every day. You're sitting there looking like they're still leading the West. I always thought it was the Dodgers, Padres, like killing each other all year. The Giants have been up there pretty much the, since April 1st, and they haven't left. And it's funny because I believe all three of us were, were joking about in the in the preseason or the spring training baseball beat, you know, all oh, the Giants are just there. <laughs> yeah. But they're in first place. I think at one point they held the best they, they held the best record yeah. in all of Major League Baseball. It's it's I don't know. I, I don't know how to I don't know how to put a put a thing on it, but they, they still uh, they still have it. 
They're still back. They still have it. Yeah, the fifty-seven and thirty-two. The twenty-five over five hundred. They're up two on the Dodgers and six on the Padres. Jeez, which is crazy. You look at that roster and it's like a collection of guys, pitchers on one-year contracts, are pitching their brains out. Like whether it's Kevin Gaussman, so on, so forth, and then like a bunch of veteran hitters who you thought might impress their prime, like Evan Longoria, Posey. Like they're all they're doing it. It's kind of just a ragtag group of guys. You know what? I almost feel like they're playing with like they have nothing to lose. So no, no that's be- what it is. No, nobody picked them to do anything. I mean, we're we're case in point. You know, to be probably last place in that division and yeah. everything like that. But so they're just playing. They're just going in. They're just they're just doing their thing, and it's working. It is working, and the Red Sox too also counts as a big surprise. They show you like how big an impact a manager can have because this is based a very similar team, the one that stunk last year, and then Alex Cora comes back. All of a sudden, they're nineteen uh, over five hundred. Yeah, it's basically the same team, right? Yeah, you might have a, maybe a guy or two here and there, but guys in the margins. They brought, yeah, they brought Cora back in, and it's just like they were the year they went to the World Series. Yeah, and won the World Series. Because you look at that team and, like, anybody who says the manager does not matter anymore in baseball, like, that is why you say the manager matters. Because, like, you he's getting more out of that team than, like, Ron Renneke did last year. Yeah. Case in point, bringing the Yankees back into it. I will say it. I will say it to the day I die. Joe Girardi versus Aaron Boone. Yeah. Managers matter. Because I guarantee you, Joe Girardi, if he was still with the Yankees over the course of the years that Aaron Boone has been, the Yankees would have been at least in a World Series. Also, I don't know if they would have won one, but they definitely would have been in one. Also, to be fair, Joe Girardi, like, like his Phillies team has not been that hot. They have been a hot mess most of this year. Yeah, but the thing is, too, is the Phillies are still kind of in that rebuild mode. They're still kind of – they like, their they're, bullpen's still terrible. They're still missing a couple key pieces on offense. Yeah, they're they're like the Washington in a bit where they're top heavy, but they have, I feel like they have, like, clubhouse issues because, like, I feel like a lot of them don't like each other. Yeah, that's – it's a, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Let's go the other way. Some of the disappointment, disappointing teams of the year. Obviously, we've beaten the Yankees to death. I won't go there. But, like, who saw the Twins just completely falling off the map? Uh, I don't think any of us did. You know, I think we all pretty much picked the Twins to be that probably either wild card, wild card spot yeah. or maybe sneak in to win the division over the over the White Sox. But, you know, it's just. They're sound. Yeah. Ba- baseball's a baseball's a finicky sport. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they're thirty nine and fifty right now. The Twins, they're gonna be selling off pieces, and that's one. Like, I think the Mets will be calling them quite a bit. Whether it's Donaldson, Jose Barrios, Taylor Rodgers, they have pieces the Mets will be looking for. Yeah, I I did see something too that possibly the Yankees could be in the market for Barrios too, yeah. but we'll see. I, I definitely think they're going to be in the in the sell mindset heading into the trade deadline. So, and especially coming out during the All Star break. So, uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, the other one that surprised you too is the Cardinals have not been as good as I thought they would be. I mean, they're two under five hundred at the break. They're eight back of the Brewers. I think I picked them to win the division just because they got Aaron Otto, but like mm-hmm. they just don't, they just underachieve collectively. Yeah, I before you brought up the twins, I was literally gonna say the Cardinals because I I believe I, I picked them to win a division. I think I picked them to go rather far into the postseason as well, but being two games under five hundred with such basically an all star team in a sense. A lot of big, who they have a lot of big names yeah it's it's a lot of big names and I'm, I'm wondering what that's going on in there yeah it's a fair question i have to take deeper into the cardinals but we do have the second half coming up i think the big story what well, your big story on your watching second half 
I really have two that I'm fluctuating with. You know, I want to see if Otani is going to continue to do everything he's been doing. And my biggest one too is I want to see if if Degrom could finish the year out with a with a sub one point two five ERA. You want to see if you can beat Bob Gibson, basically. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he's right now he's one oh eight ERA at the break. Got Gibson's like, fantasy was one twelve in nineteen sixty eight, the year of the pitcher, and I I know he could do it. I mean, he's been a little bit more human lately. I mean, he's giving up two runs in a game or three runs in a game, like. He has not had one start this year where you're like, oh, my God, this is awful. He's like, he always got a half a run. Like, he's no. And I think just what it is is just he's got something in his. What, what was he leaving a little bit for? Was it an oblique or was it an elbow that he was leaving? He's for had a bunch of minor. He had like a bunch of minor things. Like, one time it was his back. One time it was like a, like a shoulder. Like, it was like minor yeah. things and like it came out clean. So, like, I mean, like you said, he's been more human you know allowing two runs three runs is, is more human which is in in the sense of the ground it absolutely is but i'm wondering you know just looking at it from that perspective if you know maybe those are ailing him just a little bit but you know he's got he's got a good week break with the all-star break and everything so but i i really i think that's my main storyline you know the over otani not that the ground's not a great storyline and just a great just thing for baseball in general i just just what DeGrom is doing is is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, DeGrom is obviously a lot of fun. I think if he – my thing with him a lot is like, can he win the National League MVP? Because I picked the wrong bet to win the MVP this year. <laughs> so I think if he does what he does – and he's still hitting over 360, which is absurd for a pitcher, by the way. I mean, yeah. if he's – Well, not named Otani. <laughs> not, well, Otani, I guess, I guess, is just like his own planet. He's his own creature of yeah. craziness. But, like, if DeGrom is still hitting, like, well over 300 and he's – Winning 15, 16, 17 games. His ERA is like under, like one or under. Like, I don't know how you don't give it to him, regardless of what Fernando Tatis is doing out in San Diego. Yeah. I, just, I feel like it's going to come down to the to that stupid thing is whose team finished better in the regular season. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it's like if the Grom does not win, like does what he does, is not win the MVP this year, you can never get a pitcher an MVP again because like what he's doing is so far yeah. more valuable than the rest of the sport. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Outside, outside of time, I think Otani blocked the ALMP up to somehow, despite the fact that Vlad Jr. is crushing the baseball in Toronto. Yeah. Vlad Jr. is almost getting forgotten. You know, just not hearing about him just because of what Otani's doing. Yeah, that and the Blue Jays being 45 and 42. I feel like they were, if they were like closer to the lead in the East, we'd be hearing him about him a lot more. Yeah, which is why, you know, I my biggest gripe with, you know, these personal awards and everything is, oh, how can you be MVP if you didn't, if your team didn't win? Like MVP is a not, it's a singular athlete yeah. award. I, I never understood that. You just look at it. Just what player had the better season, the better numbers, whatever. Just don't, don't take the team accolades and mesh it with what somebody was doing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's look at the angels. The angels most likely will not make the playoffs, Yeah, but still every, everybody is saying Otani is MVP without a doubt. For sure, and let's wrap up here. Let's make some playoff predictions for the for these teams. So obviously, you did a preseason. If you had to go right now and get a mulligan here, like who are your five AL playoff teams? True, I gotta remember who I picked. I picked well, the Yankees to win the East. Yeah, well, say, I'm not gonna pick. Well, I'll tell you what. We're, we're not worried about the preseason ones right now. We're worried about like who you're picking today on oh, Ju- July today? 12th. Okay, okay. For the East, I'm gonna go. For AL East, I'm gonna go with the Red Sox to win that division. 
Central, I'm going the White Sox. And the West, AL West, probably the Astros. Yeah, and then who are your wild Astros cards? Those are pretty. My wild cards. Um, we're going with, with the uh, with the Rays for the wild card. And then I don't know who I want to pick for my second wild card. It's really matter. Do you believe in Oakland or not? That's really the, the question here. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm really debating if I want to. You know what? Why not? Let's 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 go with the A's. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would go with the same five, to be honest with you. I think the sleeper here would be Toronto just because they can crush the baseball and they can do that. But, like, I think, honestly, like, I think those five are pretty much the favorites right now, barring something freaky happening with, like, the Mariners staying hot or, like, Toronto crushing. I think those are the five. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't see the Mariners. The Mariners just, they're, I feel like they just have too many pieces missing and they don't yeah. even have, like, that edge, I guess. Yeah. They kind of just look like they're there when they're playing. They don't look like they're like looking to play to win. If not, I mean, yeah, yeah, they, they in they, that sense. So they're like a year early. Yeah, they're kind of like the Braves were a couple of years ago when we were all like, "Oh, like the Braves are just here." Yeah. But the Mariners are still kind of that middle of the road team, you know, upper end of the, end of the division and everything. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the next two years probably we start seeing some movement in seattle all right here's our situation in the nl right now the mets have the east by three and a half the brewers are up by four on the reds the west is giants dodgers Padres in that order and those three would be all be in do you think anybody unseats one of those teams no just because no i don't i think the national league is pretty much set yeah because for me it's a matter of i think the mets will make enough moves to get there and I don't see who in the NL Central is chasing the Brewers down because they pitch too well. Yeah. Because right now the Reds are in second it, by four games. Yeah. If I had a really, if I really wanted to put money on it, just to just to say, I I would say the Cardinals could maybe sneak in just because it's kind of hard to bet against them with everything they have. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm looking at the the first seat, the first half. They really have underperformed. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I think for me, I think the way it is right now, I think you basically have the NL. I think it's pretty much set. I think you're gonna. I think you can plan on like Mets Brewers at City Field the second week of October for for the first round. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like I said, I want to say the Cardinals could you know sneak in there, but you never know unless something completely changes. Barring injuries. And, yeah, barring injuries, but just it's it's kind of sad to see how that kind of Cardinals have played. All right. That's that's gonna be good, Anthony. Thanks for all the time. You'll be back next week. We're gonna be doing an Olympic baseball preview because we're doing the Olympic show next week. So we'll do a little right. bit of Olympic baseball, at least some fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Meanwhile, find social media, I can keep I can keep up with you. Uh, yeah, you can check me out on Instagram uh, at Sorbellini Photos, S-O-R-B-E-L-L-I-N-I. Just uh, doing some work with uh, the Yankees High A affiliate, Hudson Valley Renegades. All right, there you have it. And thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. The Two-Minute Drill. All right, two-minute drill time, and I'm going to talk a little about Shohei Otani here, and I got to say, this dude is so much fun to watch. You look at what Otani does as a player, and 
the things he can do from both sides of the ball are absolutely remarkable. Consider for a fact that he is so spectacular, he gets invited to the home run derby. He is hitting 33 home runs and 73 RBIs in the first half. About 279. He leads the league in homers. He is hitting moonshot after moonshot. He is on pace to hit 60 home runs. This is absurd. And that would be absurd if just a hitter. When you consider the fact he can also pitch. He's done pretty well there too. As a pitcher, he's on 67 innings. He's 4-1 and one on the year. 13 starts. His ERA is 3-4. I'd be about a run lower if he didn't have that implosion in the Yankee Stadium a couple weeks ago. He struck out 87 batters in his 67 innings pitch. He throws 95 miles an hour. The comparison has been Babe Ruth. Because I remember his Babe Ruth pitched before he became a hitter. But how often did Babe Ruth do both? He did for a couple of years with the Red Sox. But even then, he was hitting, you know, 15 home runs, 16 home runs. He was not hitting 33 home runs in about 90 games. And this is with the baseball that most consider dead. The ball is not flying. You know, Tommy's still crushing home runs. What you are watching here is incredible and might be the most talented athlete to ever play the sport of baseball. I think it's great that he's going to the All-Star game. He's got pitching it and hitting it. I think it's good for the growth of the game. I think it's great he's in the home run derby tomorrow, tonight. I want to see him and Pete Alonzo face off in the second round. That'd be fun. I think with him, enjoy it while it lasts because you don't know how long these two-sport guy, two-position guys and keep it going on both sides of the ball. The thought then we came up, okay, you know, maybe he'll dabble in one for a little bit before he commits fully to one. The longer he can do both is a win for the game of baseball. I think it's great to see him do this because it gets some excitement into the sport because he's one of those few guys you have to turn on Twitter and say, what show Shohei Otani do tonight? If he's pitching, you say, I want to watch him pitch. Very few guys in baseball do that. Otani does that every day, and that's incredible to watch. I think it's great for the sport. I think it's something we have to see. And with that, I want to wrap up the show. I want to thank Andy Sorbellini for hopping on here to talk about the baseball at the first half. I think it's a lot of fun there. A lot of stuff like this podcast, including my appearance on Alan Austin's new podcast, Chart Choppers, where we talk about the MCU movie rankings. He went through his list. He updated a little bit. Check out the blog, justinsuffering.wordpress.com. You can link to that show there. You'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and Suffering, your favorite podcast platform. We find all episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starving as well. Done with the podcast, even better going forward. So check out my YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube, for individual conversations throughout the podcast. My chat and Anthony will be up on YouTube in just a bit. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Coming up next week on the show, we have some fun stuff in the hopper here because, believe it or not, this is number 200 podcast next week. We're going to talk all about the Olympics, dive into some sports, catch up on the Marvel, and more. So I hope you have a better week than Diamondbacks fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.